what makes a hero? In previous episodes, we've discussed the various uh, chivalric and knight traditions that were in Arthuriana. But what if we go back a little earlier on the same island and look at some more Celtic mythology? Today on Cavalcade of Tales, we will discuss the various myths and legends around one knight, one hero, the man who is come to know as Ku Asquelga, everybody, and welcome back to Cavalcade of Tales. As always, I'm your host, Drew, the millennial with a history degree. And uh, today we're talking about a tradition that I grew up with. So I don't have to apologize, hopefully, too much. Um, my great-grandfather was off-the-boat Irish, so my mother made sure that I was instilled with a lot of uh, good Irish teachings and... Uh, was frankly mortified the uh, first time I tried to pronounce the uh, protagonist of today's podcast's name because, um, yeah, fun fact about how language works. The soft C of language is a relatively new thing. So most of the times you see Cs in, like, Latin or Gaelic or, like, classical Greek. They're not actually C's, they're K's. Um, sometimes we'll point it out like, you know, it's not Caesar, it's Kaiser. Um, Cassandra is traditionally spelled with a K. Um, I will say Kikoro over my cold, dead fucking body, however. But today's podcast is a uh, try to recall the plot of the various myths that surround one of the most famous knights of the celtic tradition uh Kalain or ku cullen i'll swap back and forth between the two pronunciations um this is a lot of this work is contained in something that is known as the ulster cycle because of the branch of knights that ku Kalain will come to serve but it's uh we're gonna go on a little journey and i'm gonna tell you some stories so i will be your uh Celtic uh, storyteller or a Shang Shai, probably Shang Kai actually, because again, CHs are probably Ks. And I didn't look up pronunciation, so I apologize in advance for certain types of uh, butcherings of old Gaelic. Uh, I'm sorry, mom. I tried doing Gaelic on Duolingo. Uh, the only thing I can remember is like usage or Usage is water, and Ku is dog, and it's like Palaswag is girl. It's it's a very complicated language. It is nothing like the Romance languages. But I'm already going on a tangent, so uh, we should probably just start the podcast and get into uh, the life, the rise and fall, and the battles of Ku Kalain. So our story begins with a woman whose name is Dektir. And she was a noblewoman who was drinking a glass of wine at dinner with her lord brother. And uh, she felt something weird, like she had accidentally swallowed a fly while she was drinking her wine, but thought nothing of it. And then, but later on, she, her stomach began to grow heavy with child, which is never a way I've put that before and so she decided uh, to protect her brother from any disgrace of because you know at this point she's never been with anybody she was a virgin um, because well at least in this version of the myth this is the immaculate conception version because Christianity uh, really sunk its claws into Ireland so Everybody needs to have an immaculate conception because who's better than Mary? Although, to be fair, a thing I learned uh, recently, fun little factoid, immaculate conception, not what I thought it stood for, which is proof that I did not grow up in any denomination of Christianity, because I always thought the immaculate conception was uh, Mary not having sex and then getting pregnant. No, the Immaculate Conception apparently is Mary was born without original sin, and that's why she was able to held a vessel for the baby of God, which was not something I knew. 
and uh, blew my fucking mind. But uh, Deer Deck Theater, which I'm probably saying wrong, uh, became pregnant with, and she realized in a vision that she was carrying the son of the god Lu, who was the uh, Celtic god of the sun. Uh, so she took fifth. She was still being well cared for because when she left her brother's uh, halls in order to hide her pregnancy, she took fifty of her mate uh, servants with her because you know travel and style, I guess. And so, one night day, her brother was out gallivanting around, and it was getting late. So he's like, "We need to find a place for shelter." And his he found this cabin in the woods, and the it was a few of the maid servants that had went off with his sister. And he's like, "Do you guys have a place for my? I'm traveling with a retinue of men. Do you guys have a place for us to stay tonight?" They're like, "Yes, we do." So then, in a different cottage in the woods, because apparently this was like a commune of just cottages in the woods that were near each other, one of the knights finds Dectir. And he's just like, holy shit, you're the, your brother's going to want to see you. And she's like, I will do my best to go see him. I can't promise anything. Uh, and then the man ran off to go tell his lord that he had found her sister, and she immediately went into labor. In some, In the tradition where she is doing everything she can to continue to keep her reputation as a maiden. She doesn't actually birth Ku Kalein through her birth canal. She actually throws him up. Which is a big rose. But uh you know when you're giving birth to a you know, the god of a son the child of a sun god out of wedlock, you can only do so much and um Christianity loves and you figure in the Catholic faith, what better way for this hero to be celebrated and indoctrinated into the myth and be like yeah he had a virgin mom she didn't she's so virgin she didn't even give birth i have mixed feelings about lou not because of anything i grew up with uh but we're gonna go on a tangent so there's a series a franchise of games i've talked about on this podcast before called the shimagami tensei games my first introduction to them was a game called devil survivor 2 where you play as a character who has two friends, you're all high school students, coming back from taking um, practice exams to for going to college. And then the world ends. <laughs> and it's what's happening is you are drafted up into a, a demon fighting service because you and your friends get a smartphone app that lets you summon demons. Um, they made this into an anime too. I highly recommend it. Devil Survivor 2. It's super good. Um, and what it is is the Shimagami Densei universe uses a lot of uh, creatures and characters from various folklores to um, as their demons and as the game progresses over these seven days where the world is ending and they have to fight more and more intense demons there is a day where your best friend and potential love interest whose name is Io, Io Nita is found out that she is a perfect vessel for the demon god Lu, and her sacrifice and giving up her subconscious to Lu will and allowing him to possess her will destroy one of the big seven monsters that's destroying the world and you have to deal with the ramifications of that and I fucking bawled like a bitch because I didn't want to lose my best friend and I was so emotionally invested in the characters but luckily if you have your emotional investment in the characters high in the game there's an emotional meter uh, and I maxed her out as soon as I could because I'm like this is perfect I love give, if I have a relationship meter and I can prevent people's deaths by having high relationships I will be everybody's best fucking friend because I need all the help I can get uh, if you have a high enough relationship level, you can save her, and they do a really cute thing in the anime, which made me tear up a little, where you do get to save her from the possession, which is very nice. You drive at the demon out of her through the power of love. 
Okay, <laughs> back on track. So, uh, obviously, Dick Teeter never goes and meets her brother because she gave birth. Uh, and what happens is, is when the knight brings his lord back to where Dick Teeter was, all they find is the infant. And uh, the lord's like, okay, that's, this is fine. And he gives it to his wife to raise as, a, as a, her, their own. Uh, this child has the name of Satana. I trust me, I will get there. So, Satana is a very special boy, and there, and so we're gonna flash forward six years, and Satana wants to join this little thing that's delightfully called in one of the, the translations I've read, the Boys Corps which is where all the Lord's sons kind of start training to be hunters and fighters. And uh, little Satana's like, I want to join. And they're like, you can't join, you're only six. Most of these boys are in their, like, are, like, at the cusp of puberty. They're, like, oh, oh, 10 through 12. And he's like, I can do it. Give me, give me, give me. And so the Lord's like, okay, here's what we'll do. We're going to make you play a game. And if you can beat the boys in this game, we'll let you be one of the, we'll let you join the boy corps. So what happens is, is they go and they give Satana, it's, the best way I can describe it, the way it was described, is like some weird version of either like field hockey or lacrosse, where they give, the boys are trying to move a ball around through a stick, using a stick to get to various goals, which made me think of like lacrosse or field hockey. And they're just like, how is this going to work? Uh, Satana is pole to move the ball around, weighs as much as he does, and is twice as tall. So this is going to be ridiculous. Uh, by the end of the first half of the game, uh, Satana had uh, gotten 30 goals on his team. And they're just like, oh shit, this boy is strong. And they're like, of course! Of course you can be part of the boy core, hell yeah. And what's happening is the Lord is like, as a reward for how well you're doing, um, not only can you join the Boy Corps, but I will be traveling to the um, House of Kulain later today, and I would love for you to come with the feast as a reward. And the boy's like, I understand that, and I thank you for your hospitality. However, it would be unsportsmanlike of me to leave this game halfway through. May I finish the game with the boys? Um, seeing this sort of sportsmanlike uh, thing, the Lord is like, of course, I uh, give some directions to Kalein's place and is like, meet us there. So Satana finishes the game and then with his, with the ball as a prize for his victory, he starts to wander over to Kalein's. So at Kalein's, the Lords are all meeting, they're all having drinks, and the Lord's like, forgetting about his nephew Kalein, uh, his nephew Satana, says, oh yeah, all our people are here. So he's like, uh, the ho Kalein is like, cool, I'm going to set up my guard dog uh, so that nobody can interrupt us during our feast. And then all of a sudden they hear a lot of commotion outside and they're like, oh shit. Oh shit, Satana. So they go out and they find that the boy has choked the dog with the ball and killed it. Probably should have done a trigger warning for animal death. Um, the Lord is, the you know, Satana's uncle is uh, overjoyed uh, because he's alive, but there is the small issue that Kalein has lost his guard dog, and he's had this dog for a little bit, and he's very distraught. Um, it had just recently had fathered pups. It was a loyal dog for many years. And seeing the dis, the, like dismay, Satana goes over and bows in front of Kalein and says, "I, this dog has served you loyally for many years, and I have taken its life unjustly. As such, I will raise these pups to be fine guard dogs, and will take his place until they are fit to rule. And because of that." Uh, Satana gains a new name. He is then known as Ku Kalein, or the Hound of Kalein, and that is how he gains that name. So, do, 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 do. Um, I to supplement the stories today, I took some stuff from various little things. I got some stuff. Uh, I went to my local library, and I got a library card and all this shit. Being fancy. 
But I also used one of my favorite uh, off-the-wall sources, Fate Grand Order, the mobile app. In Fate Grand Order, the mobile app, there is three versions. Uh, no, sorry, there are four versions of Kukulain. Uh, I'm going to sprinkle in a little bit of the first version, which is known as Kukulain Prototype. This is the young version that is the one who has gotten the title and is like in his early teens because uh, he's known as a creature tamer with a great affinity for dogs and hounds and is a lot more who cares a lot more about doing what is just and doing what is right it's not to say that he'll grow up and be a shithead but there's some questionable things that are going to happen later on in the story so, once there's a chance a little bit later, uh, Kuru Colin is now a young adult and he's off to go make his mark on the world. And he hears about the teacher Skahyakt. I can't, okay. I'm looking up a pronunciation because that does not sound right. Um, this is a famous teacher who resides in the land of shadows and she is a warrior woman who uh, chooses who she will and won't train How do you pronounce that? Skahak? Why is there a G in the Scottish pronunciation? Skahakt is what I'm saying. So Skahakt is how I'm going to say it my best, and I apologize profusely for my shitty pronunciation. But it is said she is a great teacher, but she is very strict, and she will only teach those she deems worthy. And of course, Ku Cullen's like, I'm worthy. I'm fucking going. So off he fucks, and he's gone his way, and he meets up with a bunch of the uh, very... He's reaches a point where he's on his way to the Land of Shadows, where she resides. And he sees that there's two paths, and they're both a bit shit. One side is a quagmire that will slowly suck him in and try to suffocate him under itself. The other side is a bramble. It looks like a you know idyllic field, uh, but all of the blades of grass are so sharp that they will slice a man in half, like just slice you up. And he's like, ah, "Fuck, both these paths suck. I have no idea how I'm gonna get there." And um, arguably, the smart thing to do would have been to uh, fashion some of the leaves and just like since they're so sharp to cut skin like take some mud from the quagmire and make a weapon out of the grass and then cut the grass on your way through but this is mythological times and I don't make the rules <laughs> in the story he gets divine intervention from his dad uh, Lou comes down and he essentially rolls him a path through the quagmire uh, of light so that he know so that he knows where to step where he won't sink as much and that's how he gets to the land of shadows so on the way to try to get to uh, Skyact there is a massive gorge and what it is is you have to do leaps across uh, very precarious perches in order to get to uh, the like domain of Skyact and at the edge of this cliff, uh, Ku Cullen meets a bunch of different uh, knights and uh, recognizes some of them as different guys from the boys' corps. And uh, one of them, uh, he makes quick friends with is a person by the name of Ferdia. So Ferdia's like, look, we all want to try another Skyact. Uh, we have to wait until she comes and she will train... Uh, come judge us and the one she deems worthy she will teach how to cross the gorge and Kukalan's like wouldn't it just be faster to just figure out how to 
across the gorge herself and they're just like there are sea monsters at the bottom you're gonna die and he's like watch this hold my beer uh he does fail three times uh he but always manages to kind of like not fall into the gaping mouths but like he gets back up and then like hops back over to start again to get momentum going and of course all the knights are just like dude stop trying to be a fucker just fucking wait for skyact and we'll all figure out how to do this and he's like nah i'm built different fuckers and his fourth try he makes it he does what's known as the hero's leap um for all you uh, final fantasy fans i can only imagine it as a dragoon leap but yeah kane deserves more love from final fantasy 4 so uh once he gets across skyact is like damn uh this one shows promise this one might be able to learn and wield the spear known as gay borg which is a cursed weapon that is said to uh fill its opponent with poisonous barbs it is the translation i read in the fate universe which i will now hopping back and forth um Gaborg is a weapon that is said to always pierce the heart of its victim. And the way it does it is it reverses cause and effect. So the way it works is once Ku Cullen throws the spear as Lancer from the OG Fate Stay Night franchise, the original Lancer is Ku Cullen, what he does is he throws the lance pierces the heart of the victim and then he throws it. It, and that's the kind of way it describes it. In uh, the version of the myths I read for this, to help prep for this, uh, it is said that it can only be thrown by his foot, and it is a weapon of last resort, because even the smallest nick will fill the person's body with barbs, uh, which will happen a few times, and it's uh, super sad. Um, so he trains under Skyak before a year and one day because she refuses to t uh, train him for any less than that she's like if you want to learn how to do this shit how to use runes and be a fighter and gain this most powerful weapon you gotta spend 366 days learning this shit so during this time uh, begins a story known as the tragedy of Kondla so during Kukulin's uh, time training under Skyact and uh, when he was learning different runes, uh, which I will touch upon in a little bit, um, Skyact is uh, fighting off her sister Eith. And what it is, is Eith wants control over the land and she has to take out her sister Skyak to do it so there's this massive battle lots of casualties on either side eventually it comes down to the way to finish the agreement is a one-on-one -on -one fight between the two sisters and Ku Cullen's like no please don't do this teacher I will take care of this I will hand I will fight in your stead and she's like no my sister is a powerful witch and fighter this is a terrible idea no so what she does, in order to make sure that Kukulin doesn't uh, fight with her tomorrow and worry for her pupil's safety, she drugs him and gives him a draught that is supposed to make him sleep for 12 hours. However, like we've established, Kukulin, motherfucker's built different. So the drought only makes him sleep for an hour. And he then runs off and it's time to fight with, uh, with Skyoct against Aeth's forces. So Kukulin catches up with Skyak's forces and she's like, what the fuck are you doing here? He's like, okay, teacher, I will respect your wishes and I will not confront Aif in direct combat. However, we have to find a way to cripple her morale somehow. What does she love most in this world? And she's like, oh, that's the obvious. She loves her charioteer, her chariot, and the horses. And Kukulin's like, well, I'll take care of this. So what Kukulin does is he slays the horses and the charioteer. And so Aif is distraught and distracted during the battle and is able to be captured. So what she does is she begs for her life. She's like, please don't kill me. 
I will do whatever you say. And Kukulin's like, you know, a powerful uh, witch would make an excellent companion for this the rest of my uh, time in the Land of Shadows training. So he shacks up with Ife. And between they, again, the version I was reading uh, painted this a little better. Uh, in one book, which I read, which is called Celtic Myths and Tales from the Epic Tales franchise. Uh, they've done a bunch of different books. They're all, they look fancy and they're uh, all shiny and hardcover. But they're definitely not like complete versions. Uh, in that version, uh, they were like, oh, well, they fell in love, and they he then bore, she bore him a son. Uh, in other versions of the myth I read, it's uh, just like, yeah, this is one of the many mistresses he'll take over his life. And I'm like, okay. Fucking, I guess Kukulin's a hound in more than one way. Bow, bow. So she bears him a son, and uh, Kukulin's time training comes to an end. So he's like, I'm off. I'm going to go serve a lord as a powerful knight, as is, you know, my destiny. And, uh, friggin' Aif is just like, I will train your, our son to be a strong warrior, and then one day he will come uh, send for you. And he's like, good, do not tell him who the fuck I am. And she's like, okay, that seems suspect, like... It's already bad enough I'm going to have to give him, oh, your dad went out for a pack of cigarettes spiel, but, like, why can't I tell him who you are? He's like, I don't want him to grow up in my shadow. I want him to grow up to be a knight and a fighter of his own regard who is able to uh, accept any challenge regardless of who his father is. And Ife is like, okay, but I will put a golden ring on his finger so that the day he comes to search for you, you'll know who he is. And he's like, cool. So, um, off Kukulin fucks, and he gets a new bride named Emmer. Uh, I'm check my notes to make sure I'm not missing anything here in the middle. Um, he does, he starts using the runes a little bit as ways to, um, offer challenges uh, once he becomes a knight of Ulster which is a like branch of red knights the red knights of Ulster is also the reason that the uh, branch of stories that Kukulin is known of is known as the Ulster cycle it's uh, Kukulin of the Red Guard is one translation yeah so he becomes a loyal knight of Ulster um, some little tales I'll throw in the center here just because I don't know where they are chronologically, so we'll do them here while Kanala works on growing up and uh, totally not having any abandonment issues because his dad is like, I'm going out for milk and you can't know who I am. So in one tale known as the Tanbo Kuagne, um, actually, oh, let me back this up. Because this was originally going to be about runes, and then I went on a whole different tangent. Uh, shocking, probably no one. So. Let me go backwards. <laughs> there is a thing in Celtic wisdom that's known as the Ogum, which is a language which is uh, kind of given power to the trees, and it's a runic language. And Kukulin loves using this runic language to issue challenges to people just to, like, do what he fucking wants. So, for example, uh, in the Tainbo Kaleg, uh, Kukulin uh, makes a ring out of a branch. Like a sizable branch. It's a feat of strength. He makes this ring with one hand. He writes an ogre on it, and then he puts it down on a stone pillar. And then there's a group of knights being led by Fergus? One of the Ferguses. I can't remember if Fergus McRocht or if it's a different one. Uh, Fergus McRocht is another famous uh, Celtic hero who I'll cover at another time. But uh, in this uh, thing, the knights go no further because uh, 
Ogum is only really taught to like the knight and druid classes, so they're the only ones who can distribute. So Fergus looks at it and he's just like, we're not going any further because it says, quote, I got quotes on this episode. Go no further till man is found who with one hand can cast a ring like this made of a single rod. And they're just like, we can't fucking do this, so we better figure out a different route for now because we're not itching to pick a fight with someone. Uh, because there is a thing, and this is also brought up in the character description of uh, Ku Cullen, the regular version in Fate, the one you meet in Fate Stay Night, and the older version that you meet in uh, Fate Grand Order, where it talks about how he has a skill called Battle Continuation, which means he's extremely adept at fighting like groups of people but uh secretly he just loves doing duels and you can get that kind of from the fact that he's constantly just issuing challenges uh then in a different set of tales there is known as the libhar nahidui which i 100 percent said wrong uh kukulin what he does is he fashions a stake and then he throws it, driving into the ground, where it said the two-thirds of the stake is below the earth, and one stake is above, and a third is above. And what he does is he mounts multiple heads of slain scouts on top of it. Uh, which is a bit fucked, and some other people stumble upon this, and they're just like, whoa, yeah, no, we're not dealing with this challenge. And in fact, we're going to rename this area as the area of the fork because of this. In the same story, there is also a thing where he fells a massive oak and then carves into it, quote, whoever passes this shall be slain by the hero of one chariot. Um, because he just loves himself some fighting. Uh, since he's such a great fighter, um, there's all he gains the attention of Morrigan, the goddess of war. And she's like, I need to... Uh, fucking he's the son of a son he's the son of the sun god and he's a, an accomplished fighter obviously i need to make this man's mine he'd be an excellent husband uh but he rebukes her and friggin she does not take this well she's like uh-uh no why would you also like side note i don't know if this is just me being um showing my entire ass about how I find uh, incredibly strong women attractive but like the goddess of war like fucking who would turn that down like oh you could uh, like kill me anyway um so she's like oh hell no so what she does is she keeps trying to pick fights with him in different guises so she's a shapeshifter the first time she fights him she is a black eel and she manages to get a couple bites in on him but he uh, wounds her in the process the next time she is a white heifer and she literally kicks him and he fucking berates her and beats her and then the third time she is a gray wolf uh, which is a bit interesting because not only is he the hound of Colleen, uh, but he often has a great affinity for dogs and it works well with uh, kind of has like a control of dogs in a way and uh, in fake grand order uh, there is a version of him that is known as the Druid version, which I will cover in a minute. Uh, and that has a lot of wolf imagery. Uh, but again, he beats her up a little bit. So she's injured, so what she does is she's like, okay. Um, one of the big things that you have to learn about Celtic tradition is it's a very oral-based tradition. So there's a lot of power in words. Um, this is also a lot of the things where you get like the stories of the fairy where like a name has power so giving someone your name is an extremely powerful thing to do it's a practice i even bring into current time um i in my office job um there's a lot of people who suck uh so i haven't bothered to learn their names and it's uh nothing is more powerful than having someone come up to you and act all high and mighty and they're just like you should be doing it this way and i'm like honey if you were someone who could tell me what i couldn't couldn't do i would have bothered to learn your name that's fucking power 
Uh, so what Morrigan does is she turns herself, it takes the guise of a decrepit hag and starts walking through with a milk-laden cow. So as Ku Cullen's been out and he's been fighting all these fucking things, he's like, God, I could kill for a fucking drink. And then in comes this old hag and he's just like with this milk-laden cow and he's like, woman, could I bother you for a drink of your cow? And she's like, what will you give me in return? He's like, I am the son of a god. I can give you some blessings that will help ease your weary bones. And she's just like, yeah, go ahead. Because, like, mind you, this is Morgan. So, essentially, he's healing the woman he's been whose ass he's been kicking a little bit here and there. So, he takes three drinks of milk from this milk-laden cow and gives her three blessings, which heals her wounds. And then in the versions I of the myths I found, uh, she doesn't fucking show up again, which is weird. Um, I, I I unfortunately don't think that these the few sources I had were a very complete array of the sources. One book I got, uh, which I thought would be helpful, really wasn't so. One thing I did enjoy, though, is that Morgan is said to be the great-grandmother of Morgan Le Fay, who is the one of the major antagonists of Arthuriana. Uh, callback to historian tries to recall the plot of the entire plot of the messy Arthurian camp. Episode 2, I believe. It is uh, one of my more favorite ones, if we're being honest, because I hate the first one. Um, so one of the big things about the runes is that he uses them a little less as he gets older. Uh, however, in Fate Grand Order, they actually play off this, like, druidic, runic power that he has technically learned from Skyact. Uh, so they actually, in Fate Grand Order, in the uh, beginning of the game, in, like, the prologue, you meet Ku Cullen as a druid. Uh, in this form, he specialized in the runes that he learned, including the fire rune Azuz. Uh, he, and it is his main form of combat in that version. However, he can't use multiple runes at a time. He can only use one, and he's proficient in the fire one because the noble phantasm or ultimate ability he was given is the sacrificial practice of the wicker man from different Celtic druidic traditions where you build a wicker statue and you place an offering inside its chest and then you set the statue on fire um and yeah so that was just a fun little like side note thing for that uh, let me do i have any more stories nope that's all the last story okay so we're gonna go back through uh Connolly has decided to go find his father, and he is around 13. So the, around the age where he could join the boy corps if he wanted to. And what happens is, is he goes to Ulster's shore and is like, sups up, I'm looking for my dad, apparently he's a knight of Ulster. And they're just like, the fuck off, kid, you know, who are you? And they... And so they send a guy to be like, okay, it's time for you to go home. And he roughs up the guy. And he's, and they're just like, oh, hell no, we didn't just have some kid come up here and rough up one of our guys. So they just send, um, in like Zap Brannigan fashion, just wave after wave of foot soldiers at him. And he just knocks him over with ease because he's, you know, a quarter god and trained by witches. He's half god, half mega power witch. No, he's a quarter god, half mega witch fighter been trained in combat at his father's behest who he doesn't know so it gets to a point where he knocks out one of the men who is a very important man whose name is escaping me for a second he beats up Connal the Victorious, uh, which is ironic because he couldn't beat a 12-year-old boy. So then the King of Ulster is like, okay, well, fucking, we got this 12-year-old boy beating up all our men. Uh, we can't suffer this indignity anymore. Bring me Ku Cullen. And Ku Cullen's like, bet, it's time for me to fight. 
And his wife, Emmer, is like, you shouldn't do this, because what if this is your son from your previous partnership? And he's like, even if it is my son, I will kill him for the honor of my lord and country. Which is a bit fucked, in my opinion, but I'm the chivalry of old traditions and the like stick to itiveness is important to them. So friggin' Cook Holland goes down and he's ready to fight and he meets Connella and Connella's like, I'm looking for my dad and he's like, You gotta die, my lord has demanded it. He's like, Bet and they start wrestling in the water and there's a couple times where it looks like Connella might actually kill Cucullin because he's able to get him under the waves and try to drown him. Uh, but as a last resort, Ku Cullen spears his own son through the stomach with Gayborg. And he's just like, and then seeing the ring upon his son's finger, he's like, fuck. Oh, I fucked up. And Connell is like, tis better to die a noble death at the hands of you than to die, than to kill my own father. Um... And uh, there's much sadness, and uh, Ku Cullen mourns for about half a year, and he actually never bears another child because he squandered his firstborn son. And the guilt of that, I don't know if the guilt of it makes him impotent, but like he never has another child. So the next tale I'm going to go into is another, another kind of tragedy in a way. Um, but this is the uh, when uh, Ulster is declared war has entered into a war, and Kukulin needs to fight someone very close to him. Oh, excuse me. So, to the kingdom of the south, there is a woman whose name is Queen Maeve, and she is known as this like paragon of female power. She is. So much more powerful than her husband, and she likes to put him in his place for it. And, like, a lot of places try to, like, demonize Queen Mav. Being like, oh, well, she's this, you know, hyper-sexualized woman who is said, who can't sleep until she has been satisfied by 30 men. She gathers money. She's war-hungry. She will... The... It is said her men's march is based on her menstrual cycle in one thing I read, which is really fucked up. And then she would like do competitions between her and her husband about the things they had acquired and like because she loved to lord over how she was better at gathering things than her husband. And like, who's to say her husband didn't have a humiliation fetish and this wasn't part of the deal for him? We can't say. But... It's not off the table, I guess. I don't know. So, friggin' once they're done fighting, uh, one day he's just, uh, to try to get a ads up on his wife, uh, I think his name is Alir. So Alir is just like, yeah, you may have got more treasure this week, but I got your bull. Because your bull left your uh, orchard to come to my grazing field because uh, he was so enticed by my cattle. Um, however, it's um, she's just like, oh yeah, I will find a better fucking steer and lord it over you. you, and I will then cuck you even further because that is my power. So she hears that the King of Ulster has a noble boar, who, not boar, uh, what the fuck are male cows called? Steer, that's the word. And she's like, she sends a messenger, she's like, go to the King of Ulster and ask if I can borrow his bull just to show off to my husband. Uh, if he does it, he gets this, you know, all these jewels I'm going to send with you if he does. 
uh, if he brings the bull to me himself, not only will he get all these gems, but I'll also give him a small chunk of my territory just to fucking prove a point to my husband, because I will be damned if he thinks he is better than me. But if he refuses, take the bull by we will take the bull by force, and the rivers will run red with Olsu's blood. The red branch will fall. So the men go, and they bring the riches, and the king of Olsu's like, fuck yeah, like... You can you want to borrow my bowl for seven weeks to show up your husband and I get a bunch I get land and treasures. They're like fuck yeah. However, he overhears some of the guards, the men, talking and the things. Like it's good. It's like yeah, we were gonna get the bowl either way. Like at least this the king you know feels like he has power instead of you know fucking like falling to our forces. And the king is like I think the fuck not. So he beheads two of the men who were sent to him, and sends the remaining forces back with the heads to be like tell the your queen that i will not fall to petty fucking threats and that if it's war she wants it's war she'll fucking get so the fighting gets very bloody and terrible and it's a full-blown war between the kingdom of mave and the ulsters and it eventually gets to a point where it's like it's time to do 1v1 champion combat so the uh champion for mev is a uh, young man, a young noble knight named Ferdia, Ku Cullen's friend from his time training in the Land of Shadows. And she's just like, I need you to go, and you're going to go fight Ku and bring victory to me against the Ulsters. And uh, Ferdia's like, um, no. <laughs> I love him as a brother. I cannot raise my weapons against him in combat. It is a... It is, like, a distrust of everything. And she's just like, that's funny. That's exactly what Ku Cullen said that you wouldn't do. He said that you two were like brothers, so you'd be too much of a pussy to go fight him. And he's like, I'm sorry, you said fucking what? So he's like, I have to go. And she's like, fine, I'll go kill my best friend, who I love as a brother. So he goes and he fights. He meets Kukulun at the field of combat, and Kukulun's like, "The fuck are you doing here?" And and Ferdi is like, "The fuck are you doing here? Like, we shouldn't be fighting." And he's like, "No, we shouldn't." So what they do is to make things even. They each uh, pick the same weapon. So on the first day of fighting, they take these like junior javelins and just spend the day hucking them at each other. And nobody gets injured. There's a bunch of, like, essentially giant toothpicks on the ground. And they call the fighting for the day. That's day one of fights. Day two comes in, and they're like, okay, we need to... We'll up the ante. Swords. You're going to fight in swords with swords and shields. Uh, Fergus is like, I really don't want to do this. And Kukulun's like, I don't want to do this either. But we are honor-bound to our lords. So they do. They fight. They injure each other. However... They also, like, laugh because this re reminds them of their training. So at that night, uh, Ferdia, uh, at the end of the fight, when the fighting is done for the day, because this is ancient times where it's like the sun is setting, we can't keep fighting, uh, Ferdia said to embrace and kiss his friend, and it's just like, what a well-fought battle today, my good friend, and Kukulun's like, and also with you. Um, so they go and bandage each, themselves, each other up, and they horses sleep in the same stable. Uh, the next day, uh, they use spears, and they do a lot of damage to each, a uh, good chunk of damage to each other. And Maeve is just like, look, you either come back victorious or you don't fucking come back at all. So, unfortunately, um, Ferdia is between a rock and a hard place, and he's like, I have to he doesn't rest with Kukulun that night he's he's like mentally prepared he's like he's like I will die tomorrow whether it be at the hands of my lord or the hands of my friend and there's nothing I can do about it so he what he does is he's like I'll do everything I can to like stop Kukulun from killing me and maybe I can just be on the run of, from Maeve and he covers himself in like a plate mail that's made of gems and then puts a stone apron on top of that and he's like there's no way who Cullen's gonna get through this and the final this final day of fighting they can use whatever weapons they have at their disposal and uh Cullen realizing 
that his friend is like one of them has to die today uh regretfully uses Gaborg piercing through both the iron uh both the chain mail of gems and the stone slab and pierces uh Ferdia through the heart and he then falls to the ground and Kukulin cradles him. He's covered in blood too because like Ferdia is an accomplished fighter. They both trained on this guy up. And uh just uh does that like thing uh, you know, like protagonists do where they're holding the dead body of someone that they cared for and they just cry into the air and scream as like rain falls and it's all cinematic and shit. And then on a fury bender, Kukulin goes and he fucking uh he impales Maeve. Um yeah. So the next story I have is I don't know when in the chronology this is, but I like this story being near the end because it does, I like the idea of, even though it's kind of unfortunate that, like, if you think about it, Kukulin's entire life is punctuated with loss. Uh, but I think, like, this one is one that would, like, drive him over the edge and then lead to his death. So this story is known as the sick bed of Kukulin. Um, And what it is is during a feast during Samhain, uh, there is a bunch of weird birds that the Ulster Knights look to the side and they're just like, those are some weird-ass birds. Let's try to catch some and eat and see if they are good eats. Uh, and Kukulin, being the tryhard, is like, two of them are yoked in gold. I'm going to try to kill those ones because clearly wild birds yoked in gold are the ones I should try to kill and nothing will go wrong on this day where the realms between the dead, the fairy, and the living realms are the thinnest. Why not attack these? But he fucking misses. And he gets very angry. And I'm gonna, uh, with this one, I've got some fun quotes for you. So we're gonna start with what happens right after he misses. Kukulain, uh departed and rested his back against a stone pillar and his soul was angry within him and sleep fell upon him then he saw two women come to him one of them had a green mantle upon her and the other was a purple mantle uh, the woman in green the green mantle approached him and she laughed a laugh at him and she gave him a stroke with a horse whip da -da -da -da. Then the other approached him da -da -da -da, and struck him in the same way. And for a long time they were like this, each of them coming in turn uh, and striking him until he was at all but dead. Again, not here to kink shame. Uh, Ku Cullen having some Fifty Shades uh, dream going on after missing some shit to try to make himself feel better. But what this is actually is, is this is because it's happening on the festival of Samhain, uh, these are fairies who are beating his ass. And they're essentially, he's essentially, his soul is being whipped. Uh, and this is no pleasure room. These women are not here to make love or fuck. They are here to punish Ku Cullen. Uh, and what happens is, is he once he awakens, he is extremely weak, and he's like, "I need to, I need to fucking lie down," and he sleeps for a full fucking year. So the day before Samhain, the next, well, Samhain originally wasn't is a three day festival that starts on the thirtieth of October and goes to the first of November. So on the third, so we'll say on the thirtieth of October. Uh, Kukulin gets a vision, and it's the uh, fairy man Angus McAid. And he comes to Kukulin and he's like, I have these two fairy daughters. They're gonna look a little familiar, but they can help you through their strife. And there's a reason you have had to suffer as such. So Kukulin wakes up, and he goes to the pillar where he received his vision, and the woman in green, the person who started the beating, is she's like, my name is Laban, and you attacked my husband's flock, and that's why you had to be punished. However, my little sister, Fand, has taken a liking to you. 
and I am willing to allow you to get away from your transgressions of ro of attacking my husband's livestock if you come to the Fey realm and defeat my husband's enemy. Uh, mind you, she's offering her sister as a thing. So A, offering the uh, her sister up as a fuck slave to a man is a bit odd. B, Ku Cullen is still married. He is married to Emmer, even though they have bore no children. He is still with her. C, Fand, also married to the sun god Menananan. Menananan. There's a, other than the first M, all the letters are A's and M's. So, uh, Kukulin first sends his squire in to be like, I need you to check out the situation for me because I'm still very fucking tired. And the squire gets the info and he's just like, it's not going to be that bad. This guy's someone you could easily beat. And his wife is just like, you can fucking do this. Just get this over with because I need you to stop being a whiny bitch around the house. Uh, quote, the power of women has made, rendered the impotent, end quote. And so he's like, fine. He goes to the fairy realm and he kills the guy. Then, he's just like, okay, I got my reward. And his wife's like, wait, what was your reward? He's like, I'm gonna go fuck this woman fond for a full month. Obviously, Amir, not too pleased with this. Because she's just like, uh, Excuse me, I am your wife. I'm the greatest good you are ever gonna get. But the friggin... So what she does is she's just like... Ugh. Okay. After this month of them fucking each other, um, what uh, Amir gathers the women of Ulster and she goes and she's like, Look, I don't blame you for what's going on. This is not one of those things where I'm going to blame you as the other woman. Like, we are both like it takes two to tango and like to be honest i have also you know gay bog isn't the only fucking spear that he's got going on that's worth being pierced by bam bam she's like but however he i am his wife i am the one he loves and they and here are and these women will tell you tales of our love for each other i have brought the receipts and after hearing the words of Amir and all the Ulster women, Fand agrees. She's like, yes, this isn't correct. He is he is not mine to have. And I will return to my husband. And, like, she's totally cool with it. Because, like, you know, she kind of got her. She had a fun month of, you know, some fucking, like, probably wild sex with Ku Cullen. Because, like... He ain't nothing but a hound dog. I'm like, I bet he fucks. Uh, but he gets got really attached, and he uh, is so lovesick that he starts refusing to eat or drink. And his wife is none too pleased because she's like, that I am not gonna sit here and watch you die because you're pining over another woman. So the druids get called in. And they, you know, use spells to restrain him. Because, of course, he's still fucking strong, even though he hasn't been eating or drinking or sleeping that well. Uh, here's another fun quote. Uh, da -da -da -da. And the druids gave him a drink of forgetfulness so that afterwards he had no more remembrance of Fond or anything else he had done. And they gave the drink to Emmer so that she might forget her jealousy. For at this point, her state was in no way better than the state of Kukulin. And Menanan shook his cloak between Kukulin and Fan so that they may never meet together again throughout eternity. Which does kind of suck. Um, I like putting this near the end because it's showing just the slow decline of Kukulin, you know, because his, since his entire life, a lot of the stories are he's either fighting and killing someone that is an enemy of his lord or he's killing someone he actually fucking likes and so much of his life is done by loss um so then uh the final last thing is that uh his death i a lot of the books for some reason don't talk a lot about his death 
there's a small passage in the Celtic Myths book I have where it says that he died in the Battle of Merthemony, which happened around 12 BCE, which is the first actual date I've gotten for anything in this story. So we're thinking this is first century before Common Era. Uh, he is fought, he is finally overcome by his enemy Lugade, which was a one of the generals in one of the many battles he fought against. As death approaches, Kukulin insists that he be allowed to bind himself to a stone. He then... Uh, it says that, he, uh, quote, With his dying breath, he gives a loud, victorious laugh, and when Lugade attempts to behead his corpse, the enemy's right hand is severed by the cor as the cor sword of Kukulin falls heavily upon it. The hero's death is avenged by Conal the Victorious, but with the defeat of Kukulin, the Ulster uh, Valiant reign of the Ulster Knights is, draws to a close. And so that is a lot of the myths and legends around the uh, famous character Kukulin.